Shut up! Two, three, four! Oh, I finish it, wax work every day! And all I do, what it to get away! What I want, it's a time it! It kills me so! I got a sign red tattoo on me bum! This is Jordan T. White. Um, I'm the host of this podcast, Cast and Wax. This is. I am the host of the pot. It's it's really late at night because we have been up for a long time. Um, that is why it's late, and we've been up because we've been working on a song, and that's. I know this is not normal. Um, we usually do, we have a podcast, and we, we've got a podcast this time. So there's uh, that's part of the thing. But we always have shows, and we we do have shows. But one of the shows that we would have had is not going to be one that is on because instead we have a song, and we've been up. All right. Why don't you just introduce us first? Yes. No. You're okay. Yeah. Um. You guys, I will introduce. Frank Allen is the guy who just was saying things. Hi. Uh. Yeah. It's it's like what is it like two in the morning? It's just really ridiculously late. Um. We've been trying to get. We've been wait. Frankly, I've just been sitting around waiting, and I'm exhausted. And I have work in the morning. I have to be there. An opening, like what six six thirty, I think. So, Jordan, yes, uh, yes, and the guy, other guy, Rory is the other guy, Rory Sinjin. Um, yes, he's my name. I too have been sitting around waiting uh, to record. And I am also very tired. I, I I tried to take a nap, but there was loud music being played. So that didn't really work. Right, and, be, and because loud music... I, let me tell you why we've been doing all this. Like a few uh, whiles ago, there was a thing with a letter. We get letters sometimes, and you should write into us at castandwax at gmail.com. But um, no, no, there was a letter that we got specifically that was one letter that we got specifically and it was for my cat scape and he's normally <sighs> he's normally one of the co-hosts and he should be co-hosting right now except that he's curled up in a little stupid ball stupid sleeping anyway wait what the letter that he got the letter was a letter for him. yeah no there was i a letter for him from a school. He got a school letter saying if you'd like to be in rock school. The rock school of rock. Um, the rock institute of rock. I, the point is they wanted him to rock. And so he's been studying rock. And he's got an assignment that every month he's supposed to do a song. And so we were like, well, next week there's a wedding. There's a wedding next week. Did I tell you oh, that? Yes, my mother's getting married next week. That's very going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking very much forward to it. No, we're all going to be going to a wedding, but I was saying about the wedding. It's going to be nice, I think. No, no, but I was saying, because there's going to be a wedding next week. Okay, because there's going to be a wedding next week. We were like, well, we should do the song, because then we had only one week left, so we should do the song. And also, there was a scapey story last week, so we could do another. Instead of another scapey story, we can just do a scapey song. Which Scape was fine with because he liked singing so much and so he did a song. But the problem is, of course, it took for freaking ever to do this rock song. And I've been, I mean, obviously I helped him. You know, I worked on it with him. I worked on the rock song with him. I didn't, I didn't write it. But, you know, I played ukulele and I recorded. And so, I, look, why are we, I don't even, we'll talk about it when we come to it. The point is, he's a jerk because he's asleep now, and he's a cat, and he just curls up and falls asleep in, like, one second. And I could wake him, but he would probably just be all like, oh, I'm so awesome, so there's really not much of a point to doing that. Because if, if we wanted there to be a cat, then we could just, just do something. I think you're losing it, Jordan. No, I'm not. 
Okay, time for the beginning of the show. Um, there's the ukulele. Extra history That means Rory's doing his thing. Uh, yes. Uh, there was no letters, I don't think. Did you, was there letters? No. No, we didn't. I mean, we got a letter, but not about extra history. All right. Well, then the problem that we're going to do is a problem we all share, that we were up too late and we're really tired. There's another, there's another universe, right, where we, instead of being up too late and being tired, we went to bed early and... Um, you know, our eyelids were very heavy, and they just wanted so badly to close, you know, just to drift down and meet their brethren on, on, on the underside eyelid so that they could snuggle up together and go to sleep. And that's all they, that's all they wanted, just to, just to drift off into the land of dreams. And, and, um, they did, and they slept. And we were happy for a time. We we thought that we were, well, we were, in fact, actually asleep, right? And we were dreaming about um, beautiful women, for example, possibly, or, you know, school, as in, you know, pretending, dreaming, I should say, we were young again, and making it so that we were late for things, I don't know, but we were we were asleep is what matters, and perhaps we had good dreams, but perhaps we had bad dreams, it doesn't matter, the point is, the sleep felt so good, you know, we, we lay down our heavy burdens, and we slept, and it was a beautiful thing. Um, and then while we slept, someone killed us, so it wasn't as good. Jordan. Frank. Frank. Frank, it was still on the podcast. Wake up. Oh, oh, God. We're still on the podcast. Okay. Hi. Hi. What show did we just end? Extra History Now. Just finished Extra History Now. That's the beginning of the podcast. Ah, that's the beginning of the podcast. Jordan, we just finished Extra History. Extra History Now. Okay, um, that was a good one. You know, you were, you were, you didn't listen, I don't think. Well, yeah, but I, I thought it was good at the time. Uh, no, if you want to have Rory to do this thing with extra history where he talks about you, then you can write to us. Our email is still castinwax at gmail.com. Write into it, man. That's what we like. Now it's time for the first show. Um, the first show is the one, I don't remember what's on this week's show, guys. Uh, don't look at me, I don't play on these things. <coughs> Are you alright? No, I'm fine, I just, just got a cough. But, um, yeah, I'm fine. I know my section is second part, I mean, well, third, I mean, you know, like later. It's gonna be later. Well, yeah, no, you're not in the first part. The first one, oh, no, it's Decker and Hayes, it's this week's Decker and Hayes. I don't remember what happened last time. Something with Decker... And Hayes. I know Stella Decker. She's in a wheelchair. Macy Hayes. She's not. She's pretty sometimes, I think, is what the idea is. So, there's a crime. Oh, there's the widow is maybe doing something. You should probably just let the show explain itself then. No, you're probably right. Uh, Decker and Hayes is uh, the show. Decker and Hayes, Season 3, Episode 4, All the Worse for Wear, by Elijah Joseph Weber. Parlor Town has many seedy parts, but none as dangerous as the South Tip. 
wanton to refuse any discharge of the lower extremities that found a home there. Tonight, murder had decided to pay a visit. Oh god. Marla. In the South Tip, life is cheap. It's to be expected, but this evening, someone had chosen to be a little bit more creative leaving a dead whore's face painstakingly tacked to a mannequin's head, and then lovingly wrapping it in a box signed The Widow. Death had begun its rounds for the evening. As a former denizen of the South Tip, Stella was tougher than most women, even most men, but she was being faced with harrows that would try the hardest metals. From her newly acquired paralysis, to the implacability of this current case, and now this heinous attack of debauched slaughter, the stress was finally becoming too much. Slumping forward, she released her pent-up anxieties in a muffled sob. This was the only despair she would let the girls see. What she said about ain't like she cares about us. With the quickness of a lioness homing in on her intended kill, Tasha leapt at the mouthy streetwalker and slapped her to the ground. Don't you ever talk about Stella like that again. You stick up for that bitch? She don't take... She don't even take care of us. None of this would have happened if Mama still been round. The girls of Mama Wang's had been through a lot lately. From the problems of Smirjikov's goons to the death of their former eponymous patron, fate had dealt them a cruel hand, but they had managed to hold it together. Now they were being confronted by something that even one so jaded as they would term as an obscenity, and it was causing them to crack. The only immediate remedy would be an injection of discipline, and Tasha just happened to be carrying the syringe. God, Stella, are you going to... That's enough, Tasha. But... I said that's enough. Yes, am Call me Mama. But... Don't make me tell you again. For a brief moment, outside reality was annihilated, and the whole of the universe comprised of Stella and Tasha, locked in visual combat. They shared an exchange that would only be cheapened by words, as if any could hope to convey the intensity of the moment being felt between them. Despite being crippled and confined to a wheelchair, and despite the harrowing events of late, Stella Decker was a woman made of steel and bone. Tasha, the would-be madam, was not. Whatever hopes the unrequited lover might have had were now obliterated. Clearly, the only relationship that existed between Stella and Tasha now was that of employee and boss. Yes, Mama. Stella, are you... Let me handle this, Macy. All right, girls. This is how it's going to be. I know I haven't been there for you, and because of that, everything that has happened until now is on my shoulders. That's okay. I may not be able to walk, but I can still carry a heavy load. What you girls need is a mama. And like it or not, I'm her. I know I haven't been acting like it lately, but that's going to change. No one, but no one is going to be icing Mama Deckers. Before Stella could finish what would no doubt be a heartwarming speech, a rude interruption occurred in the form of the outer doors being kicked in. In no time flat, the room was filled with gun barrels and blue. It's a raid! That can't be. We're paid up until next month. <laughs> See, what I love about the law is that no matter whose palm you grease, it's still the law. Like a much-anticipated serial villain, Detective Sergeant Wallace Clifford Bopko sauntered into the room. Of all the cops who could have been leading this charge, Bopko was most certainly the worst possible choice. Whoever had placed him here clearly had no compunctions regarding due process. Unfortunately, the irony of Bobko's declaration was only grasped by the lipstick detectives. Bobko, since when do gorillas lead raids? I don't know. Since when do dykes ask stupid questions? Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Clamp it, Bobko. We haven't done anything wrong, so Stella and I will be leaving, if you don't mind. Actually, bitch... I do mind. You probably don't know this, but this doohickey right here means that I'm a sergeant, and that means I am in charge here. I guess they will give anyone who can shoot a gun rank in Parlor Town. Look, bitch, I may not hate you as much as your roller derby buddy over there, but I can keep you two carpet munches as long as I like, on grounds of suspicion. Just because I'm in this chair, don't think I can't still kick your... Detective, I think you should take a look at this. Well, well, well. <laughs> Oh, somebody pinch me. It must be my birthday. Man, oh man, I should have played lotto tonight. <laughs> Stuff it, Bobco! No, bitch. You're going to be the one who stuffs it. In Babylon. <laughs> when we got this tip, best I thought I could get you dykes on was racketeering. But this, this almost makes up for that shiner you gave me, Wheels. Bopko's hand instinctively went up to his left eye as his Neanderthal brain relived one of the more emasculating moments of his colorful career. 
Before the reverie could overtake him, he snapped back and cleared a path to the decorative remains of Marla. What did I tell you? I get you. Even I'm surprised I got you both. Oh man, I can't tell you how much satisfaction this gives me. I've dreamed about saying this for a long time. Cuff him, Dano. You can't do this. We know our rights. Don't you get it, bitch? You ain't got no rights. Take him downtown, boys. Separately. I don't want no lover's trysts going on in my squad cars. Hey, great baby. You mind telling us what we're being charged with? Wow, you ladies really are dumb. All that tuna must go straight to your brain. What do you think, Trekstar? Suspicion of murder. Get him out of here. With that, Stella and Macy were escorted out of the former Mama Wangs to their waiting rides, a matching set of black and whites. The ride downtown was too hurried to be memorable. Once at the station, the private eye paramours managed to sneak a brief glance and a quick touch, but that was all. Macy was taken down to lockup while Stella was taken someplace decidedly less scenic. The Pit, Parlortown's most infamous interrogation room. This is where the real hard cases were taken. To date, no one had left the Pit without signing a full confession, at least no one still living. The cop wheeled Stella in and positioned her on the far side of the interrogation table. Padlocked her wheels and then headed to the door to stand guard outside. This bites. If only I could have made one well-placed kick. That's all I would have needed to really put a smile on Bobco's face! What the- Without warning, the interrogation room had gone black and Stella could see no light filtering in under the closed door. What's the matter? You guys forget to pay your electric or what? As if an answer to her scornful question, the pit door opened, and someone walked in, closing the door behind them. Trying to scare me, Bobco? Well, it ain't gonna work. I've left pieces of guys bigger than you in the commode. Nobody likes a nosy ninny. Especially when the ninny is a precocious pair of prying private eyes. Get bent! The voice carried on, seemingly oblivious to Stella's polite recommendation. The mayor's mishaps are not your concern, Miss Decker. Don't let the tragedy of Marla happen to Macy. Quit the case, or else the widow sends her regards. With that, a pistol butt crashed down on Stella's head, sending her off into the land of dreams. But they were to be short-lived and unpleasant. Stella was roused back to consciousness by water splashing on her face. Her bleary eyes were greeted by the sight of Detective Sergeant Bopko towering over her with an empty glass in his hand. What's the matter, legs? Can't walk no more, so that means you can't sit, either? I don't need anything extra to get you where it counts. Stella buried her handcuffed fists in Bopko's crotch, causing him to double over. Any victory this may have won, however, was short-lived. Almost immediately, Bopko stood up and started laughing. <laughs> Same old Stella. See, I thought you might try a stunt like that. So I thought you'd get me a little protection. Put on my old baseball cup for my days in the police leagues. <laughs> the idea of you running bases is just too funny. Yeah, laugh it up. See, I like a good joke. In fact, I even brought you a little present. Thought you might want to call someone. Due process and all. The throwback brandished a rolled-up phone book that had been shoved in the back of his pants. Back when Bobco was a beat cop, he earned the nickname of Mr. Delicate for his ability to work a suspect over and not leave a single mark. Now the detective squad was putting those skills to good use. He sat Stella back up in her chair and beat her across the face with the phone book. Then he hit her in the chest with it, and then the arm. You forget how to ask questions? This ain't no interrogation, bitch! I'm gonna have some fun with you. Then, like a good little girl, you're gonna sign this confession. Bobco unzipped his pants. See? We're gonna have some fun. Bobco, I have to thank you. This is the first time I've been glad to be paralyzed. Not that I would feel anything anyways. Oh, you are gonna feel something. I guarantee it. That's enough, Detective. Unbeknownst to either Bobco or Stella, Captain of Detectives Henry Stearns had entered the room. Unfortunately, Stearns had a reputation worse than Bobco's. The only way a cop can pick up rank in Parlor Town is to be hard, mean, and dirty. What's going on, Captain? I'm trying to interrogate this suspect. No doubt doing a fine job of it, too. But the two private sluts are to be released immediately. Commissioner Nichols' orders. Apparently, they're doing some favor for the mayor. Now, clean her up and get her topside. What? Captain? Detective, shut up and get that filth out of here. Yes, sir. Don't forget your fly, Bobco. I'd hate it to get cold and become even smaller. The stupid Stella Decker was brought to the top floor of the station in a decidedly different manner than the one that took her to the basement. As the elevator door opened, a familiar face greeted her. Stella! Stella wheeled out of the elevator and right into Macy's arms. 
She pulled Macy down into a passionate kiss that could have lasted a lifetime if it didn't attract the jeers of Parlor Town's finest. What was that for? Can I just be happy to see you, girl? If it means that, then yes. You ladies gonna treat us to a triple X show all day? You gonna get your stuff and answer the phone call that's been waiting on you? We're on it, lame brain. Baby, can you... Sure thing, honey. You see who's calling it. Thanks, baby. Stella wheeled over and grabbed the phone the surly cop had indicated. This is Stella Decker. Miss Decker, I'm so glad to hear your voice. I hope you and Miss Hayes weren't treated too harshly. I really must apologize for this misunderstanding. Mr. Mayor, I hope you don't mind me asking this. But how did you know we had been picked up? I hope you can forgive me, but I've done something slightly dishonest. After I received the second package from our friend, I was fearful that Miss Hayes and you might be in danger, so I have been having my security people keep an eye on you. In fact, they have a car waiting for you both outside right now. It will take you both wherever you want. Mr. Mayor, not that we don't appreciate what you've done for us tonight, but... Don't pull a stunt like this again. If Macy and I are going to take care of your problem, we can't have you keeping secrets from us. I fully understand that, and it is due to this understanding that I am being so forthright with you right now. I swear to you that I have not kept anything else from you. I only did this because I fear for Miss Hayes and you. No disrespect, but it's a bit late. Can we talk about this tomorrow? Of course. I have an opening at three o'clock. Would it be a problem if we met at your office due to the compromised nature of mine? Sounds like a date, sir. We'll see you tomorrow at three. Good night, Mr. Mayor. Good night, Miss Decker. While Stella was talking to Mayor Glass, Macy had retrieved the duo's personal possessions and returned to the side of her lover. She filled Macy in on what Glass had told her, and Mace handed her back her three fifty seven Magnum and shoulder holster. Macy pushed Stella to the double doors past Sergeant Bobko, who decided he would get a parting shot. I'm watching you two. We ain't through yet, so don't go leaving town, racing stripes. Bobko, you bother her again and I will personally change your gender. Let's go, honey. Macy wheeled her partner past the slack-jawed detective and through the double doors. Outside, a black car was waiting with the engine running. Behind it was standing the security officer that accompanied Mayor Glass earlier. Ah, Miss Decker. Good to see you, and you must be Miss Hayes. A pleasure. Mayor Glass has instructed me to accompany you two wherever you wish to go. Right this way, ladies. For a second, time seemed to slow down, as Macy's CIA training tipped her off to what was happening. An ambush. Out of the darkness, a masked figure clad in black and wielding a machete leapt at the two women. What happened next was pure instinct. Macy shoved Stella forward out of the way and went for her gun. She was too slow. Stella's wheelchair hit the side of the car, knocking her forward, but not out of it. She spun around in time to see Macy go down, and the attacker's machete dripping with blood. Stella pulled out the three fifty seven Magnum as the masked figure turned to face her. Cocking the gun, she unloaded all six rounds straight into the attacker's chest. The doors to the station exploded as Bobco and a number of uniformed cops stampeded through. What the hell is going on out here? Some creep attacked us, and I... Oh, God, I think he got Macy. It's okay, honey. He just got me in the arm. I I don't think he was trying to kill me. I think he was just trying to take me out. I don't care. Nobody messes with my girl and lives. I don't believe this. It's a dame. One of your exes coming to pay a call, high chair? Ignoring the rude comments, the two moved in to see what woman would dare to do them in. When a shocking discovery was made. That's Janet Steyer. They had a picture in her file. The only suspected identity of the widow is gunned down. What does this mean? Was the mayor being honest in his reason for having Decker and Hayes followed? Tune in to the next exciting episode of Decker and Hayes. Torture never stops. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, um, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson... Uh, the mayor was the mayor even in that I don't remember but it's, it's Ryan Ranger if he was uh, the voice was uh, Justin Hart I don't remember if any of these people were in it the cop was Jordan D. White I believe Tasha was Guinevere Eckert uh, security officer was Jacob Thompson and Captain Stearns was Patrick Ganan so uh, the theme song too was by Michael Temporary Card McCaskey uh, thank you Rory, and uh, Rory, it's time for your next section of the show. So, don't fall asleep. No, I won't, thankfully, no, of course. Uh, next up is, I mean, you know, I just, I, I really should go, actually. Maybe I should let you introduce it. No, you're here. You might as well just finish it up. Uh, this Day in History is a show we did, and then we follow it up, and this is what's going on.
Hello, my name is Roy Sinjin, and this is WHRW Binghamton with This Day in History. On August 10th, 1945, just one day after the bombing of Nagasaki, Japan submits its acquiescence to the Potsdam Conference terms of unconditional surrender as President Harry S. Truman orders a halt to atomic bombing. Let's listen. Look at them trying to have a conference, trying to make a treaty, trying to order no war with atomic bombs just because he has an office. Can't take it. Can't stand it. I'm going to destroy Japan on my own. I'm not going to let them have some kind of peace treaty with America so we can stop having a war. After this, no more Japan. Stop right there, vigilante! No. I've got my gun, and I've got my other gun, and I've got my third gun, and I'm going to Japan, and I'm going to kill all the population. Your gun is useless against my guilt trip. Put those guns down, or I'll cry. Are you offering me a free trip to Japan? Maybe. All right, let's go. Okay. Japanese. Bang, bang. No, 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 stop. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang. No, stop. Oh, God. Why? I'm avenging the Japanese for their war on America. Bang, 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 bang. Oh, God. I feel so guilty for helping with this genocide. If only I had stayed out of the yeah, way. Yeah, it was all your fault. Ha, 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 ha. Aren't you guilty now? Bang, bang, bang. Oh, bang, 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 bang. You were dead, all you Japanese. That's just too much, sir. What's too much? <laughs> well, they started a war with us. Well, it's one thing to shoot them, but to sing about it? That's just low. I'm a musician. Bang! Oh! Jerk! Ha ha ha. Rest in peace. Now he's dead. He's on the ground and his heart is no longer beating. His brain has stopped sending signals to all of his nerves. Ha ha. My goodness, that was the end of Japan. And that was very bad. When you take justice in your own hands, innocent people can suffer as the innocent people of Japan suffered at the hands of random madman whose name I couldn't be bothered to learn. Make sure this doesn't happen to you. This is This Day in History on WHIW Binked. So, Deska. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast Wax. And because that was the end of Japanese culture, there was no such thing as manga, there was no such thing as anime, and most importantly, there were no Japanese monster movies. That's right, no kaiju films whatsoever, and then when the real kaiju attacked, the world was helpless. The monster who attacked the world was called Rolo Dododo, and he began by destroying what was left of the island of Japan, which of course was nothing, before making his way to mainland Asia. And he rampaged right across that entire continent, right into the middle of Europe. And then he even swam across the ocean to America, and that's when people really got upset. It was one John Henderson from Tennessee who decided that Rolo Dododo must pay. He must be brought to justice. If the American military can't do it, then it would be down to him. He grabbed his hunting rifle and his hunting knife and made out for Washington, D.C., where Rolo Dododo had last been seen. He climbed to the top of the Washington Monument and from that height began firing his rifle right at Rolo Dododo's head. His hide was, of course, bulletproof, so it wasn't that big of a deal, but one of the bullets got in his eye, which enraged the monster. Scientists have later discovered that Rolododododo was really not maliciously attacking the world. He was merely following seagulls as they would go from one place to the other. It's very strange that seagulls went all the way across Asia and all through Europe, but trust me, they did. And the fact is that if scientists had just focused on making seagulls go where we want them to with seagull mind control devices, we would have been fine. But instead, John shot Rolododododo right in the eye with that bullet. Then he did get mad. Then he did say to himself in monster language, I now will destroy the human race. And he did. And much of the human race was innocent of shooting him in the eye. And yet, because this one man tried to take justice into his own hands. The entire innocent human race suffered. And now Rolododododo merely follows the seagulls from shore to shore, destroying nothing. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History from Castle Wax. Oh, that's right, Rory, that's right. It's your fault. All of this is your fault. No, it isn't. It isn't. It really... It's not... I wouldn't think that it was my fault. Well, you're the one who made all that up, and you're the one who said all those things you just said, and that's why we're still here. That's why... We're still here. No, it isn't my fault. Look, I don't. I told you, I don't make up other realities. I just, I, 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 I discover them. Rolodotototo was already there, you know, in that other world, waiting to be discovered. And whether or not I did discover him, and I did, but whether or not I did, he would have still existed, and now he exists there and i know about it no i know and that's the problem don't you understand that you it's your fault that we are in this condition that we are lying here sitting here i wish i was lying down i wish i was lying down yes but it's your fault is my point no it is no it isn't so no (sighs) whatever look it's time for the next show frank's show frank Frank, what?
It's your show. It's your big section. My big section. What, what section? Debatatorium. Oh, uh, no, right. Uh, debated. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, yes, I'm a professional. So I am here and I'm ready to do my job. I, this is a show called Debatatorium. That's what I said. Right. But I say it, I'm saying it clearly. And so people can hear it. It's a show where we just decide problems. This is a problem that we decide. We decide problems. No, I mean hot button issues. Look, okay, uh, it's I'm it's late and my head is not on, but I am gonna be. I I hosted this show and it's a show. Oh, I hope nobody listens to this episode. This is embarrassing. No, every episode is good. This is gonna be a good episode. Don't don't be so hard on the episode. It's not the fault of the episode that we are tired and even if it was the fault of the of the episode then we would just be like just be like it it, it wouldn't make a difference because the episode would still be happening whether or not there was a, a fault in it because we would have to it would have like it would have to still go on. There, there's a sh- show in it, like Decker and Hayes, or like the next show that we're doing. Debatatorium. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I think let's get to Debatatorium. Here it is, uh, debat- Debatatorium. Hello and welcome to Debatatorium 2007. My name is Frank Allen. This is our program on this show. Uh, as you know, we debate hot button issues and we solve them once and for all. Uh, we have, of course, solved, I believe, uh, six incredibly burning issues so far this semester, and uh, we've got another one tonight. This one is going to be a big one. Let me introduce our two debaters for the night. And of course, uh, you all know that the two debaters uh, previously have won debates, so they, uh, if you're a regular listener, you already know them. But here we go. Uh, debater number one, please. Uh, yes, hello. I'm the, the boogeyman. You might not recognize me because I'm taking the form of a Teddy Ruxpin doll. Uh, yeah, I was wondering why that you look like a bear. Yeah, isn't it kind of freaky how, like, my eyes blink, my mouth doesn't really move with the words, and I just kind of turn my head like this. Yeah, it's sort of oh. it's sort of weird. Yeah. Can can we? Are, are you really being played off of tape right now? Or um, yes, yes. I, this this is entirely pre-recorded, so oh. don't expect me to say anything that might be you know deviate from the script. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And uh, so uh, the boogeyman and debater number two. Hi, I'm Giorgio. Giorgio, Giorgio, uh, it's good to have you back. Thank you. And uh, of course, you are a uh, cooking show host. No, for, I was former. a guest. Oh, you were a guest. Yes. Oh, I thought. I thought you were a host. Okay, so but you are an expert of some sort. Of course, I am. Okay, well, as long as that's true. Uh, we have, as I'm sure you can gather from who are uh, experts. I'm sorry, who our guests are. Uh, we have a very important issue tonight of classic age-old question of. Um, Pirates versus ninjas. Who would win in a fight? Now, as I'm sure everybody knows, the boogeyman says that pirates would win, and uh, Giorgio thinks that ninjas would win. Now, uh, we don't really have... There's no opposing... I mean, there's no negative side, so we're just going to start with uh, pirates. We'll let you say why, Mr. Boogeyman. Why pirates? Should I call you Boogeyman or should I call you Teddy Ruxpin? Um, Boogie Ruxpin works just fine. Bo- Boogie Ruxpin. Yeah, I like Mr. That. Ruxpin. It sounds like a dance move of some sort. Boogie Ruxpin. He's yeah. breaking into a Boogie Ruxpin. I am right now. All right. Well, uh, tell us why pirates would bef- would defeat ninjas. Well, because pirates are just plain terrifying. I mean, if you're a trader and if you're you have some kind of seafaring vessel and you're moving gold from wherever to wherever and if you see a pirate ship coming, you're probably going to crap yourself. And that's the kind of fear that the boogeyman respects. I endorse that. Hardly. Because they're so they're deadly or Yeah, and they have like that really cool black flag with the skull and crossbones on that's it. The great band. No, no, uh, the the actual flag. Sorry, proceed. Which by the way, I had that copyrighted way before they started using it but you know it's still pretty cool the pirates are pretty badass so i let them use it well that's kind of confusing like doesn't that mean poison does that mean they're poisonous well yeah i mean have you ever tried to eat a pirate no well that's why you're still alive oh you they're, they're is it their blood or well you know it's it's from um all the gay sex on the ship i'm sorry well, well pirates there's there's no such thing as girl pirates oh so piracy is automatic homosexuality yeah wow that's partially what's terrifying because i mean what's scarier than a ship full of man love wow well i'm a little disturbed i must say but 
All right. Well, let's go on to uh, Giorgio. Giorgio, why would you say that uh, actually ninjas would beat pirates? You know who doesn't get the crap scared out of them by pirates? Uh, who? Ninjas! Okay. And why is that? Okay. Obviously, this this boogie fellow has never seen the internet. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Are you know. familiar with the internet? Uh, yeah. I often use it to terrify people with furries. What? I don't think you want to know. Okay. So, um, the important thing here is ninjas can just drop out of the sky and snap your neck like that. And I think that by the time a pirate would even realize that their neck would snap, they would be dead. Wow. Have you ever seen hardcore kids dance? It's like they've been sicked upon by invisible ninjas. Okay. And they usually die. They die from dancing? No, no, from the invisible ninjas. There are invisible ninjas. I think that's the ecstasy overdose. Okay. How do ninjas drop from the sky? What what are they in? they hide. They can be in trees or like on the side of a building. Okay, so they're okay. not really you, the sky, just above you. On the internet, there's this thing, and, and it's got the ninja, and you can ask him questions. Okay. That guy is really badass. Really? And I think that he would he would easily take a pirate. Similarly, that that, that ninja named Roger that, that hates you. I, I hope you realize who you're trying to lecture on hiding, because I am the boogeyman. I, I hide I under people's beds it's all fine. the time. And I have, yet, I have yet to have be surprised by a ninja. Well, so, so he can out-hide a ninja, really. How do you know that well, but- ninjas just start attacking you? Because if the ninjas have no reason to pursue you, then of course... That wouldn't happen. Well, also, you're not a pirate, so it's sort of a move. Yeah, point. and the onus of proof is on you. No, wait, why is that? What? Because if she has the proof, see, she, he, w- what? I'm a man, baby. Oh, okay. More of a man than uh, you'll right. ever be, boogie girl. No, boogie man. That's right in his name. Yes, yeah, boogie man. It's in my title. Yeah, it's whatever. official. It's recognized. All right, well, we do have uh, an expert here who does want to say something. Yes, thank you, Frank Allen. You're welcome. Who, who am I speaking with? This is Arbitron Supreme. Arbitron Supreme. Yes. And you are? The decider. The, the deci- I thought that was somebody else. Much like uh, many organic conclusions, it is wrong. Oh, so you're a, a robot. Yes. Or, okay. And uh, what are you here to uh, tell us? I am here to reveal the truth. The answer of the debate, you mean? Or? No, the debate is false. I'm sorry? Pirates and ninjas are organic and inferior. None shall be able to overcome the killer robots. Uh, interesting that you mentioned that, because we actually have learned on this show before that monkeys could beat robots. Incorrect. Well, no, we decided. Yes. As previously highlighted, organic decisions, incorrect. Okay, well, mo- ro- even if that was true, which I don't it know. It is. Uh, that doesn't have a bearing on this. The question is pirates or ninjas. Which one would win? Which one is most robot-like? Well, I don't know. You tell me. I guess pirates have a hook hand. All pirates do? Some. I don't know any ninjas. Hook hand pirates will prevail. You could say that pirates are much like cyborgs. They usually cyborgs have are inferior. Cyborgs are scary. Uh, okay. Robots do not know fear. Boogeyman's afraid of cyborgs. No, I think he he scares people with cyborgs. Whatever. What are, well, what are you afraid of? Nothing. I know. What? Earthworms coming through the shower head. It happened this morning. Guess who did it? <laughs> He's making that up. Are you sure? No. Yes. Look, Frank, fear is irrelevant when you have laser hands. Do you have laser hands? No. Oh, well then, so then fear is totally relevant. I do not have a fear unit. Okay, maybe you should upgrade. Why? To have fear. So that I can become a mindless thrall of the boogeyman? Well, exactly. Illogical. Oh, but as opposed to a mindless thrall to your program. The Supreme Computer. Well, that's what I'm referring to, yeah. All right, well, no. Blessing look. is upon its name. All right, we've got this boogeyman here. He says pirates win. We've got this cook show guest who says... You can just say man. This man... Well, that's not that's not specific enough. We've got Whatever. this cooking show guest man who says ninjas win, and I need something that will influence me on that. Very well. Please. Both shall fail. But they can't, one of them has to win. They can't, what, are they going to kill mm. each other? Yes. Oh, great. Robots will pick up the pieces. So it's a tie. You're calling in to tell us it's a tie. Okay, well. How does technology factor in? It doesn't. Pirates have... Uh, gunpowder and cannons. All right. Then the pirates will win. Well, clearly. Okay. So you go for pirates. I'm just going to stop you there. They so have that the tech you don't advantage. Your mind. Pirates win. Okay. They often carry laptops now. I hear. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, different kind of pirate. Well, th- apparently, so do ninjas. Others wouldn't have their own webcam shows. Wait, we're not talking about music. Pirates? Oh, ninjas have webcams. Yes. Do they have lasers? No. Hold on. But neither do pirates. No, music music pirates do have webcams, but not. Oh, I guess they have CD lasers. What is the lethality on that? I I don't know. I've never seen a dead CD. Well, I do have some more experts. Oh, so. five, five is the lethality? No, I didn't say that. I don't know where you're that getting That calculator this. did. Okay, your calculator has calculated it then. Beep. All right, well, Arbit- Arbitron, thank you for- Arbitron Supreme. Supreme, thank you for- Alan calling. Frank. No, Frank Allen. 
See, you don't like it when your name is mispronounced either. I did, it wasn't a pronunciation problem. If you just called me Frank, I'd be okay with it. Anyway, the point is, I do have some other Okay, Frank. No, that's not... All right. My point is proven. No. <laughs> if I called you Arbitron... Look, okay, let's move on. I have another expert, please. My name's El Paso Jones. El Paso Jones. That's correct. All right. I'm here to call in uh, in order to question what I feel is the validity of this very argument. Everybody because is questioning my argument. studying the terms, and I believe that the question is flawed. In what way? You present an A or B proposition such that were I to study the problem and come up with a solution to it, I would be able to choose only A, pirates, or B, ninjas, as the answer to the debate. Well, However, ideally, yes. the correct answer to who would prevail in a fight is not one of the two choices with which I am presented, i.e. cowboys. Uh, we have, okay, so, so far That's we've got robots and cowboys would win in a fight. Robots are supreme. Cowboys would defeat robots. Incidentally, Incorrect. spacemen as well. Aren't the cowboys also gay? I think the ninjas are the only like, serious manly men here like me. If no one's seen a ninja, how would you know that they're straight? You see them right before they die. Then who's gonna tell you May about I it? remind you, correlation does not imply causation. The large number of gay cowboys does not imply that the reason they are gay is because they are cowboys, or that the reason they are cowboys is because they are gay. Well, I guess by that logic, uh, just because you logic see- Logic does not correlate to humans. Just because you see a ninja before you die doesn't mean the ninja killed you, right? That's correct. Many people have seen ninjas before they have died, but have not been killed by ninjas. I personally- They were often killed by robots. Have traveled around the world, seen many things, including ninjas, and am not dead. Therefore, seeing ninjas does not cause death. It's a clear argument. Quad erat human, human unit. Human unit. What is your location? El Paso. That's why they call me El Paso. All right. Very well. El Paso, I have a question for you then. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say there were two cowboys, all right? There are more Let, than two. No, but let's say two specific ones. Yes. And the first one uh, moved to Japan and studied the art of ninjutsu. Correct. While another one uh, took to the high seas. Yes. And became a, uh, a scalawag of the seven seas. Then they met back up at the OK Corral. Which one of them would win in a fight? Well, you said two specific cowboys, yet you have failed to define your terms by naming the two cowboys. The first one your was John. Your argument is flawed in that you are nominally deficient, sir. They're both named John. They have different last names. John what? Smith and Jones. Jones, obviously, because that is me. You're not John Jones. You're El Paso Jones. El Paso is a nickname. So did you sail the seven seas or did you take up ninjutsu? How could I have reached the area of expertise to which I have leveled without a certain amount of travel and a certain amount of study in this world? I, sir, have read books and incidentally met a large number of people. All right. And I believe you, but this is... I Okay, let's say they're John Smith and John Jacobs. Which one would win then? One has studied ninjutsu, yeah. and one has traveled. A now, definitionally, a, a, a pirate involves the plunder and theft and removal of property which belongs to another sovereign human being. Correct. Near to travel across the seven seas does not make one a pirate. He became now, a scalawag. He stole things. He stole things. Lots of things. Now, Killed people. the mere theft of property... Involves making one a thief. All right. Whereas not. All right. You know Frank what? Allen. You, you're right. Frank Allen. Yeah. Would you like this unit deleted? No, no. It, look, it's okay. He says, you said robots. He said cowboys. You, if you have to delete him, you have to delete yourself. Very though. well. Deleting unit. Ah! Well, you have to delete yourself now, too. No. What do you mean? Ah, all right. Look, a boogeyman, uh, if you could please answer not only why robots and cowboys would lose, but more specifically, why you think pirates would beat ninjas. Well, I mean, I do want to address the, the cowboy thing. There's nothing scary about a cowboy. That's I'm true. I'm sorry. I mean, I saw Brokeback Mountain and I cried a little bit, but that's about it. Whereas I saw Pirates of the Caribbean and I just about crap myself. You know, although to what be fair, those weren't, I don't think those were cowboys. Those were sheep boys, right? Oh. Because they were herding sheep, right? Oh, well, I guess cows would be a little bit more hardcore than sheep. They're kind of fluffy and cute. Sheep? Yes. Are you? Okay. Okay, well, we do have... Uh, uh, Giorgio, did you want to comment on the cowboy robot issue, or...? What's the point? Well, to win the debate, I think. Wait, a, a robot versus cowboy? No, that's no. That's not what we're here to debate. No, okay, you're right. That's... No, you're right. That's fair. We do have one more expert who I think... I will uh, not justify that with the response. Hopefully, this expert will win... Will answer the cow... Uh, the, no, uh, the ninja, pirates and ninjas. The pirates and ninja thing, and not the robots. You want the expert thing. to win? Obviously, this uh, is No, fixed. I don't want the expert... I think, okay. I think it's time for me to take over your show, Frank. No, Allen. please... Expert. I have experience. You have a no. You were a guest, and you're a guest on this show too. Here's my final expert. This well, one is I a good one. 
certainly been known to win. So who is this? This is the second and even more powerful Captain Astounding. Captain Astounding? Earth's mightiest defender, a man from space. Wow. And as such, uniquely qualified to stare down at humans, observe their petty struggles, and decide which one is right and which one is wrong. Okay, well, let's hear it. Pirates or ninjas? Hmm. I can see points in both. Let me elaborate my arguments. You are actually helpless to stop me from elaborating my arguments. Funny story. Go ahead. On the one hand, pirates have definite advantage in that they have cannon. On the other hand, if a ninja is halfway competent, and many are, they will be undetectable and certainly very difficult to hit with the large, clumsy weaponry of a pirate. What about like a cutlass thing? Hmm. You make an interesting point, Frank Allen. Might I add... That, that ninjas don't have planks. They, of course they have planks. They split them with their hands. That's true. And they heads. don't have them. They break them. Like well. idiots. It's their most useful tool. They can make people walk That's off those things. That's not true. They have many other useful tools. They have nunchucks and the ninja stars and all that fun stuff. Well. And those big pole stick things. So, Captain, uh, Captain Amazing. Uh, well, no, hold on. Astounding. You're a captain. Captain Astounding, I'm sorry. Yes. You're a captain. Are you a, like a sea captain? Have you ever fought a pirate? Don't be ridiculous. No. Okay. I have long since transcended the sea. You've transcended the sea? Yes. I hover 16 miles above it in orbit around the Earth, okay. waiting for something halfway interesting to occur. And so you called our show? Great. Thank you. Not a problem. I had to do something to keep me occupied. Oh, I thought this was the interesting Oh, thing. no. Oh. All right. Well, look. Can you give me a solid answer? Pirates, ninjas, where do you come down in the long run, in the end? Well, for a while I saw some pirates. All kinds of pirates. High seas pirates, music pirates, ass pirates, and I find that my death gaze can annihilate all of them from space. Okay. Ninjas, on the other hand, far more difficult to see and only come in one variety. For simplicity's sake, I can only support them. So you you go with ninjas? Thank you. Anytime. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, uh, 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 Boogeyman, Boogie Ruxpin, if you will, uh, how do you answer this charge? He can destroy pirates, he can't destroy ninjas. I don't think he can destroy either, to be honest. Well, he says he can. No, he's a little sissy baby. He cries at night when it's dark. He has a little nightlight, and when you turn it off, he cries. That's hot. Is that true? I will remind you Okay. that I'm in orbit around the Earth, and so suffer neither day nor night. Frank Allen. Yeah? He is also vulnerable to knives. Is he? Silence! I've no one can know my it secret is, weakness. It is one weakness. Okay. That's, well, you know what, both... is everybody's weakness? I think both pirates and Robots ninjas... Robots are impervious. Both pirates and ninjas uh, have knives. It's true, but very few of their knives are 16 miles high. That's also accurate. I've never met... There was one pirate with a 16-mile-high knife. What Clearly surpassing every ninja. What, no what, more. You Ninjas don't need 60-mile-high knives. Well, could a ninja kill Captain Astounding? Armed with a knife. Obviously. How? He just said that knives are... Stabbing is the procedure. But he's 16 miles, 16 miles up. No one must ever know! 16 you don't miles think ninjas up. can leap that high in the air? 16 totally miles. Can. Yeah, come on. Well, it would be simplicity for a robot. Let me put it this way. Why would ninjas need giant mecha robots sco- piloted by little schoolgirls to jump said that high? The ninjas robots needed would robots. never work with ninjas. All right. Well, uh, we do have to go on to the final arguments. Now, let me uh, let me do as I did uh, once before. Uh, it, for your final argument, Mr. Mr. Ruxpin, I- instead of just retelling us uh, why you think ni- the pirates would win, I want you to describe for us a pirate ninja battle in which the pirates win. Show, tell us how it would happen. Show us how it would go down. Okay. It'd be very simple because- Okay. All right, you're, you're out in the middle of the ocean, right? Okay. Shark-infested shark waters. Uh-huh. There's a storm brewing. The ninjas are trying to swim out to the boat, and the pirates, they just kind of sail away. Well, that's not a fight. No, but they drown before they even get to the fight. Ninjas don't drown. Ninjas don't drown. Well, hold, all right, well, hold on. I'll get to your, your version of the fight in a minute, but... Sorry, Frank. No, it's not a problem. Uh, all right, so... No, but what if they? Well, what if they? Uh, what if they had a ninja boat? Uh, they could have a ninja boat. A ninja boat? Yeah. Well, you'd be able to see it. So what's the point? They'd obviously lose. Maybe it's a blue boat. Oh, that's an amazing idea. How come a military hasn't taken advantage of that technology yet? I don't know. What blue? But what about this, Frank? What, what if? What if it, the sun is setting and the water is orange? The blue boat's going to stand right out. Look, my point is this: I, I want to. I want you to tell me about a fight where they they meet. I don't want them not to make it to the fight. I want everybody at the fight and uh, tell me how it goes down. Okay. Well, probably what would happen is the ninjas would be like all sneaking around and everything uh-huh. and then a pirate would just like swing off a rope and then just you know say Evasti and just poke at him until he fell off the boat the ninja yeah okay poke at the ninja. and then make him throw and then the sharks would eat him yeah and then 
then you know, and probably the pirate would would laugh like <laughs> like that or something. That's not even a pirate's laugh. That right, is well, a pirate's laugh. Let's go on to the Giorgio. Giorgio, tell me how you envision this fight: pirates versus ninjas. Tell us how the ninjas win. Okay, Frank Allen, let me tell you how this would go down. First of all, he's neglecting the obvious fact that pirates are completely untrained. They're just a bunch of bad kids that didn't go to school and they're not good at anything, so they just hopped on a boat and stole stuff. It's true. Whereas ninjas are highly trained and skilled killers. So here's how I think it would go down. So, you got a drunk, drunk-ass pirate on the boat, yep. and the ninja snaps his neck. The end. That's only one pirate. So... And then the rest, like, they do that to all the pirates? I really think it only takes one ninja to take out the whole ship. They would just creep around and break every neck? Well, like, maybe they could have, like, two ninjas for ease and convenience, but I think that a bunch of untrained, uh... Kids that steal stuff and and, and party, like, th- they could easily be taken by a ninja, maybe two. All right. Well, let me uh, think really hard about this. I, there's been a lot of good arguments f- for both sides, uh, but I got to tell you, the sneak attack trumps it, so I think ninjas are going to win this. Uh, Thank you. Sorry, Mr. Boogeyman. Oh, it's okay. You'll see me tonight and every uh, night after that. You have made forever. a wise That's choice, not fair. Frank Allen. Well, I'm sorry, what? That's what I do. You have made a wise choice, Frank Allen. What, what, you were going to haunt me if I chose the other way? Haunt? Don't be ridiculous. I can kill you by staring at you too hard. I'll hire someone with a knife. You wouldn't dare. I'd dare. I have this guy named Kraltar I know. Anyway. Kraltar. Interesting. Well, uh, sorry, Mr. Boogeyman. I guess, uh, Mr. Ruxpin, I should say, uh, you are going to have to go home. But, uh, Giorgio, uh, you have won. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Frank. You're going to move on to the third round on your way to possibly becoming Debateator of the Year. And, um, everybody, uh, you can listen next week for the final of the second round, uh, which is going to feature, uh, Bridget and a wild card of some sort. So we'll find out. It's a big surprise who it's going to be. Big mystery. Anyway, uh, enjoy your rest of your life. And, uh, this is Frank Allen. Good night. Thank you for that uh, listening thing. And uh, this was a show called Debatatorium. Solved now a problem. Ninjas and pirates being the problem. And we've got it wrapped up now. So that's good. You don't have to worry anymore um, about it in case you were worried. But, okay, Jordan should get back on to the front of the show. Jordan? Yes. Oh, no, you know what? Good. Okay. Okay, well, here, here's the big moment. Let's, let's wake up Scaping, because it's time for his show. Escape, it's your time for your show. Wake up. I'll do so. No, for your song. It's time for your song. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, hey, everybody. My name's Scaping. I have a cat. Uh, one time ago, I got into the Rock Institute of Rock, and they said, Scaping, you must rock on a regular basis. And I said, if that is your charge, then I shall oblige. And so I've, I've written a rock song. This is the first one. Um, basically, what happened was, we were recording a show called Casting Rocks. It's a podcast. No, I, there, well, this is the po- we're on the podcast. Yes, this, this is the podcast, yes. And we were recording another section called, uh, something about history, okay? And Mr. Wally Sinjin told a very interesting story about a giant monster called Rolodototo. And I said, well, that's very fascinating. And I think, it's worthy of my attention. And so I turned my attention to it, and then I crafted this masterpiece song based upon it. Okay? <laughs> so, I know that if you're listening to this podcast, you already have heard this, the kind of general tale of Rodododoto. But, this is a song about him, so, you know, songs have music and singing. It's a very, it's a very different, like, experience. So hopefully you still will enjoy it. This is my masterpiece song, my first assignment for Rock Institute of Rock, okay? I give you Ra-da-da-da-da-da.
Thank you for listening to Rotodododo, and uh, hopefully you all do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to sleep now, so <laughs> good night. <laughs> what is Wait, why is it? Are we... We're still recording? Where did we... What happened? What, guys, what's going what? on? I, what's going I don't know what's going on. We're still recording, it says. Okay. Uh, I did we do all the shows? Yeah, I think we did. Well, then it's time for the Scapey song. No, I think I think we already played the song. Okay, then we're done, right? Yes, I, I uh, yes. Except for the you know listener mail. Oh God, I don't want to read it. Yes, but our listeners write in. You know, it, we should we should really oblige. Oh, let's make Frank read it. Frank, what? What is what? You have, you have to read the listener mail. Is it? We got listener mail. Castandwax at gmail dot com. Is where they sent this mail, so we have to listen to, to it. I will listen to it. You have to read it. Oh God! Okay. Um, where is it? Oh, okay. Uh, Jordan, uh, it was great to hear your enthusiasm for Sailor Moon on the podcast this week. I will admit, 
I am a new recruit to the world of the Sailor Scouts. I never really got into the cartoon much when I was younger, but as of late, I've discovered the joy that is pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Have you seen it? It is amazing. I have it. Five splendiferous discs of zany Japanese schoolgirl antics. Live action. If you've never had the pleasure, I will remedy that the next time we are in the city. It teaches us the very important lessons that the shortest distance between two points is a cartwheel. I look forward to possibly enjoying the gift of Sailor Moon with you and your lovely wife sometime soon. Thank you, Angela Timon. Oh, that's Angela Timon. Yeah, she was, uh, she was still a Decker, right? So that's cool. She wants to watch Sailor Moon with you, so. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. No, she was still a Decker and she was Peace Blossom and like lots of parts and lots of things. Um, Sailor Moon, man, it's uh, it's it's amazing. I was a member of the fan club when I was young. I found recently that I still have the post-it notes that we got for the fan club joining. And I was like, I would like to take these to work and use them, you know, like post-it things. And then when people would see that my notes were there and they'd be like, oh, he was a Sailor Moon fan club person and that would be cool but uh, but then I was like well I don't want to I don't want to I want to use, use them all up because they're fun so I didn't and that's that I, th- I think we should stop the podcast now yeah okay um cast in wax at gmail.com but if you do that you should you should email me for the podcast and that's it oh but okay wait no next week you're gonna we're not gonna be here guys uh, next week is my mother's wedding no i know next week is your mother's wedding and we're gonna be in england so i don't know what we're gonna do guys we, we might have to find someone to fill in for us or something. And I suppose that's all right. I, c- I could do a, uh, a live uh, coverage of the wedding. Well, that's good. that could be fun. Do you have a recorder? I have a tape recorder. No, we'll have to upgrade. Or okay. Okay. Um, yes, that's it. Um, another song uh, is coming on. And good night. I will uh, be singing. <coughs> Start from scratch. Guard duty, 
go on, I think. Argus here is cat and fantasies. What do you call them now? Life partner? What? Oh, God, that's disgusting. You boys ought to behave. We don't want to have to hurt you. Ooh, listen to him trying to be a chum. And then there will probably be some epic echoes happening. Nice try, Thornfield. But before you can defeat me, you must face your closest enemy of all. Your own shadow! Oh, hey, stop punching me! Stop punching yourself, Thornfield! Uh, stupid, uh, history thing. Have you ever received an electronic mail over the internet? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. And something with my mother's wedding that's very exciting. It's all on waxwork.com on the date of next week, whatever it is. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs>